Hello, my pleasure seekers, and welcome to today's episode. I am so pumped and excited to have Beck Antonucci on the show today. Yes, got the surname right. Um, and what I love about Beck, I know a lot of you have actually requested to have her on the show, is she is so open and honest about everything to do with sex, which is all about the show, as you know, but particularly around things like sexual health. STIs, all those good things that we often catch and don't talk about. So Beck, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to be here with you, Lucy. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Like absolute pleasure to have you on the show. So for anyone listening, who is Beck? Where did it all start? Oh, so the quick elevator pitch. Oh, <laughs> because yeah, sometimes you ask a guest, and two hours later, it's like, come on, let's speed this one up. <laughs> my journey, I mean, really, the seed of my journey was planted in high school. I went to a prestigious all girls school and I was bullied really horrifically. And I didn't realize that that planted the the trauma, the wound of rejection within me. And I felt really defeated, isolated, unworthy, unlovable, not good enough as I am. And I just, I, it was actually really a terrible, challenging, hard time for me. And I attempted to take my life. Um, this is the first time I ever attempted to commit suicide because I just felt so worthless as a teenage woman. And then when I left high school, I didn't realize that something was uh, existing within me, that the wound existed within me. And I was just running from it. I was running from being rejected, running from not feeling good enough, pretty enough, worthy enough. And I went to seek safety in a man because obviously I'd seen that I went to an all girls school and I wasn't accepted there. Potentially a man would be the place where I find my safety, my security, where no one would hurt and harm me. And obviously what I teach is that what we run from will only further repeat in our lives. And that partner after two and a half years assaulted me with a close fist knocked me out unconscious and that's how our relationship tech came to a complete so I'm 19 years of age never dove into the self-worth work ever before in my life and now I'm terrified of men and women because I think that one's going to emotionally harm me and that's going to end up in physical pain and the other one's going to physically harm me and that's going to end up in emotional pain so I went on a huge disordered eating journey not intentionally I went to the gym to try and become really physically strong and through changing my physical body, everyone started to be really nice, really kind to me, became super addicted to the validation because the validation wasn't Lucy Wood telling Beck Antonucci she's beautiful. The validation was when Lucy Wood gives me a piece of acknowledgement, I now feel like you're not going to bully me. And I all of a sudden felt safe, but I didn't know this at the time. I was trying to find love and approval and worthiness and good enoughness outside of myself. And like I say, what you run from will only further chase you until you finally look at it. And at 25, I sat with a friend who promised me that he was STI free after leaving a partner that I really loved. And within three weeks, I had my first herpes outbreak. And that felt like the rug ripped from under my feet. And literally everything that I had worked for my entire life to be good enough, my beauty, uh, my physical appearance, my body, I felt like it was all ripped from me. And that was the start of what is now the woman that is Beck Antonucci. Wow. Oh my God. Thank you so much for sharing. Like, I know you say you're an open book, but it still, it takes a lot of courage to keep telling and sharing that story and those big vulnerable parts of you. So thank you. Um, your self-awareness is amazing. Like, where did you, because I don't think necessarily sometimes in the personal growth world, it focuses on self-awareness. It's like by this course, sugarcoat the wound, keep things topped up, put a cherry on top, you're, you're sparkly and you. When did you start to realize that this is 
from a man's side and a woman's side that you're terrified in different ways like how did you get to realize that so at 25 when the herpes virus hit that was literally my rock bottom all I wanted was people's validation to feel safe in the world and so that occurring was everything I'd been running from my entire life flying to the surface and I started to backtrack like even when I got into my fitness journey I thought if I look physically strong people won't hurt me and then when I was on the treadmill when I wanted to give up I would say mean things to myself like come on you got to be what the, you got to not be what those girls used to say about you or you got to not be you got to make that ex-boyfriend jealous and make him think that he made a huge mistake doing what he did to you so everything was trying to do, be what they told me that I was trying to not be what they told me that I was and then through reflection at 25 like the herpes virus hits and I'm like there's nothing left for me now women are not going to accept me men are not going to love me my sex life is ruined none of that is true but these were the thoughts that were coming up for me I'm like I'm literally isolated and now on my own and I started to reflect that wasn't the first hit from the universe the universe had been gently and like quite strongly nudging me for a long time I went to the Philippines to get fake breasts when I was 21 20 maybe turning 22 and I came back with a horror overseas butchered breast surgery like I could be on that tv show botch they were so destroyed and anyone with the conscious awareness that I have could say come on I manifested that like God, universe source, whoever you align with was constantly saying, no, Rebecca, your worthiness isn't in your appearance. Your good enoughness isn't through society validating you. Things will keep going quote unquote wrong until you start to work within, look within. So all of the, I kept thinking to myself, am I addicted to drama? Why do bad things, quote unquote, bad things keep happening to me? Why am I continuously going through this disordered eating cycle? Why am I suffering from bulimia right now? Why am I healthy for a period of time and then so far off the wagon for months and months and months on end where all of my limiting beliefs fly to the surface louder than ever before? And herpes was like, we've not actually felt this way for a first time. We felt this way, but now it's amplified. And so from that point, I started to think, when did I first start to feel this way? And I started to backtrack and backtrack and backtrack and backtrack and backtrack and realize through also diving into the work and being taught so many things from different mentors that the herpes virus was never the problem. The fake botched boobs were not the problem. The food and the exercise was not the problem. The wound that I was running from was not even the problem. My avoidance of facing off with the wound that was what was creating the problem. But yeah, herpes, the herpes virus was essentially my hero in Thank the God. really strangest cape. <laughs> in the strangest Superman cape you have ever seen, the herpes virus, I really believe, came to save me. And did you, like, how do you now move forward with like communicating around that you have herpes with people? Like, how does that, because I would love to see like a really beautiful human manage that in the most like amazing way, you know, and just be like, that's totally fine, which I know people will be, but I can imagine you've had both sides of the coin, right? Well, no, not actually. My biggest fear was people was disclosing and people not receiving it well. That was literally uh, my fear. And that is a really common fear that most women who come across my path and men, their biggest fear is disclosure. Me sitting in front of you and saying, Lucy, I really like you. I would love this to progress into something more, perhaps something intimate. And, and I think it's important that, you know, I test positive for the herpes virus and you turning around and being like, 
Oh, disgusting. I don't, I can't even believe you went on four dates with me. You've led me on, Rebecca. That was my biggest fear. Once I owned it and fully owned it within me, I've only been, maybe my relevancy radar doesn't even look at the people that are not aligned, but I have been met with so much acceptance, so much compassion, so much respect, so much adoration, a lot of just praise for, wow, that's so true of you, so honest of you, so authentic, so integral, that I've really been met with only appreciation. Wow. But the journey to getting there wasn't easy. So I don't, I don't want to say that I got herpes and then all of a sudden I was integral and everyone met me with acceptance. I went on a huge, I went through a huge denial process and then many, many years of building the body. Like it wouldn't come out of my throat. I couldn't say the word. It would get stuck. Like I would literally sit there in front of the mirror or driving my car and be like, come on, say the word, say the word, say the word. And I, it just would not come out of my mouth. But all day long, I would have this siren just screaming in my head. You have herpes, don't take Lucy on a date because if she knew, she wouldn't date you because she'd just be so disgusted that you have herpes. Just like constant alarm siren in my head. And that was the point at which I knew that I had to do the work because I'm a very physically healthy person. And so physically, it wasn't showing up anywhere except for this constant screaming in the back of my mind. And that was the point where I needed to shift the denial process into actually looking at it because I realized this is actually sabotaging relationships. I'm not allowing myself to date people that are really in alignment with me. I'm acting out of integrity with myself. I'm taking a lot of MDMA, a lot of ecstasy. I was partying. Every time I was out on a night out with my girlfriends, the voice that was yelling at me would be silenced. Then obviously I'd go home with a guy and then the next morning I'd wake up and be like, didn't disclose to him. And it got to a point where to begin with, I thought to myself, they deserve it. Men did this to me. I went through a huge hatred of men. They did this. They assaulted me. They gave me this. They lied. Therefore, I don't have to tell anyone. Got on my self-entitled high horse that no one's ever disclosed to me. I've been single for so long. No one has a sexual health conversation until that entitlement turned into guilt. So shame is what has been done to us. Guilt is what we've done to others. So after all those nights out with my girlfriends, this is a long time ago now, and that guilt started to land. That's the point where I started to realize, and of course I'm in the work, I'd been doing personal development. I started to realize, Rebecca, you're starting to recreate the cycle that you hate. Ah, wow, yeah, wow through a whole different avenue through a whole different avenue so um i'm just going to take this phone off it's probably room service trying to clean my room oh okay. uh, through a whole different <laughs> i'm not sure if you could hear that Somewhere. through a whole different through a whole different avenue yeah so the the building the body that could disclose once the guilt landed that's when I knew that I needed to face off with my fears around really owning that I test positive for the virus. I went on a big uh, natural attempted healing journey. I'm very pro-natural health. I was sure that ayahuasca could heal me and plant medicine could heal me and Sananga could, all of these things. So I would go and do all of these spiritual plant teachers, work with shamans all around the world. And I would come back and I would do a blood test. And of course it would say antibodies detected because all I wanted to do was save myself from ever having to tell you that I test positive for the virus. And then I decided the final piece of my acceptance work was to actually do the work to own it and to be able to communicate it to others. And from the point that I was able to do that, that's when I was met with acceptance because that's when I decided to choose myself fully. Oh my God, I have, I have chill. I have chills. Like I almost want to, I don't know. 
It's so interesting looking at you, but I always manifest these people, obviously, like mirrors for a reason, of course, like I'm almost like jaw on the floor, but I never, never had herpes. But for me, I had the eating disorder thing and the bullied at an all girls school, then hating men. Wow. Yeah. And then and hating men for various men, abusive relationships. So like, so similar, and obviously respect your story, of course. But um. I've had parasites for the last year in my stomach and it's like similar from Bali, obviously, but actually as a result of sleeping with, with, well, with a guy that wasn't a great guy. And this is, this is why, and I always like, it's a two way conversation. This is why I love this, but I have literally been sat here thinking something similar. Like I've only just started owning that my stomach isn't in a good place. And that's equally different kind of conversation, but not a sexy thing. <laughs> to tell someone, right? And I've only just started owning it. But what I'm realizing for me is it's being careful of my words and not and being like, this can heal. Obviously, I can heal that in some way, but it's in a different way to herpes. And I feel like a lot of people say the gut is never the same after you've gone through parasites. And so same as you went through a plant, did all the ayahuasca, did every oh thing I could do, you know? <laughs> But it's still like a big thing. And I think more, the more we talk about these things, the more other people are then cool to share their stories. And have you found now that you've been such an advocate for talking about herpes that other people have come forward and shared theirs with you? Or have you found that, like, is it quite a lonely journey as well to start off with? Yeah, to begin with, it can be very isolating. I mean, I was quite certain that I was the only beautiful woman with herpes. Like, hand on my heart, believe that that was only me. And so I was searching the internet for someone that looked like me, that yeah. could be a voice for me. And that's why I knew that I ended up having to speak about it because I found like a chubby man with red hair and freckles. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was like, you don't look like me. You don't look like a woman that cares about her appearance, who cares about what people think about her. And I was so in that place 10 years ago that I just needed someone to stand up and speak. And when I couldn't find that person, I knew that I had to do it for myself and that it would impact others. But yeah, thousands and thousands and thousands of women, my DMs are full every single day with women all around the world and men who share with me privately. I've worked with so many clients who advocate for it now. I wouldn't consider myself a herpes advocate because there's so much more than just that, that I, it's okay that if you call me that, but I do so much more than just that. And there are women that come into my world to, that get me to support them, to break free from the stigma and shame so that they can actually advocate. They're so passionate about creating YouTube channels, podcasts, talking about it on their Instagram. So what once felt like a very lonely journey for me now feels like I have a community of thousands and thousands and thousands of beautiful women who look just like me all over the world who are willing in their own unique ways to be a voice and a leader of their own community so that others can break free. Because I really believe that everyone's waiting for someone else to go first to say the thing that we're most afraid to say to make us feel okay for our pain. And once we do that, we're then liberated and we attract, we magnetize towards us other people to say like, I'm just like you and I see you. And yeah. that is what creates, remember what my teenager was searching for her entire life. The thing that I thought would ruin me, herpes, was actually the thing that brought me, all my teenager wanted was to be included, to be accepted, to be invited, to be liked and loved, to not be hurt and harmed, to be appreciated, to be pretty enough. The thing that I thought was the thing to ruin that actually created the community of people who love, adore, respect, like me, invite me, praise me, 
So like I said, the herpes was my superhero. Yeah. Isn't it just, but then it's so amazing the mindset that you know have around that because a lot of people, like you said, at first when you found out, thought it would be the opposite, like end of your life kind of situation. Round two of the dark times that you were when you did want to take your life. I did actually consider in the first month of testing positive, I, did cons- I didn't attempt. That was was different from high school, but I did consider it. Because there is there's so much misinformation. I mean, I'd say this to everyone. You don't, you don't, you don't grow up to be like, when I grow up, I want to be a herpes advocate. Like, no one thinks that. <laughs> I want to be a herpes influencer online. So when we find out about it, it's essentially hands-on experience, hands-on pussy on experience of like, what the fuck is happening to my body? And then there's such Google doctor is the worst doctor ever. Well, and my that. first so bad. I'm like, even with the parasites thing, like, I don't believe that. I'm in Bali right now. I know a lot of people who have recovered and healed fully from parasites. A lot. It's so common that I actually haven't heard that it can affect your body and impact you so that you're never the same. Mm, that's my yeah it's but that's my that's my shit that's it, and I yeah I totally get it totally but it's it's actually clinging on to that like for me I'm actually gonna I've got I've got some work I'm doing on it later um with a with a mentor and it's clinging on to something in the past because the eating the sort of eating I had for 22 years and when I got to 30 I'm now 32 I made through a lot of work on myself yeah I made a decision like this stops and then my stomach is still clinging on to some form of trauma in there and it's created this. So that's what I'm now like, right. And it's similar to you, like in a different way, the universe has made me stop. Like business has stopped, men has stopped. Back at my parents in the UK, I actually live in Australia and um, between Australia and Bali. Um, yeah, so like the universe is like, you gotta, there's no way out now, hun. <laughs> like the only way out is through and I can feel this like anxiety and nervousness and I have a feeling I know what it is but I'm not at the point where I want to like share it with people yet because I'm like I got to work through this first myself probably similar when you got the the herpes results but yeah I totally get that I, I and I almost I know that too when I hear about parasites you don't hear like yeah it's not like a go-to response yeah, I've, I've never I've never heard the response that you just had and especially because I like I said I am in Bali right now and I know so many people who have healed naturally and fully and recovered from parasites that I found it like quite a normal non-scary thing to actually occur yeah it's it's um it's almost I feel it's an initiation I know that's a bit of a cliche mm-hmm. but it's definitely an initiation into this space because I'm all about embodiment tantra breath work but actually the irony is I haven't dealt with the trauma in my stomach fully aware it's okay (laughs) you are now though I am yeah thank you I am yeah but it's it's also the nervousness like I don't know if you felt this but the nerves of letting go of like that um part of you that has kind of it's a coping mechanism in a way I find it's um armor I'm trying to think of you and I think so similarly because I was literally about to say it's almost for me personally, and I feel potentially will resonate. I had to grieve the version of me that I was letting go of. I didn't realize the day that I claimed very publicly, I went and did a Facebook live, told the world, not that the whole world is on Facebook, but told my Facebook <laughs> world that I had these side test positive for the virus. And the day that I went to do it, I cried. I literally had my phone in my hand, trying to press the live button, crying, crying, crying. I was like, what am I crying about? I thought it was the fear, but it was actually grieving 
the version of me that spent 31 years, like I have chills telling you this, 31 years caring so much about whether you would accept me or not. Like I, I was letting go of this. It, it was like literally a full identity shift of like, I'm free now. I, I, there is not anything that I hide from the world. There's not one thing that you could know about me that I would be like, no, no, don't share that part. Like mm-hmm. fucking this is who I am. This is, there's so much power and authenticity and just like, there's, there's nothing in my phone, nothing to hide, nothing I've ever done that you could not know because there's just that version of me that used to care what you think is free now. She's yeah. gone. And so that was the part that I had to let go, grieving her. I feel like that people don't talk about this enough, but that for me is the most ironically, like ugliest. It's not a sexy part. Like it is grief to the max. And I'm definitely yeah, in the thick of it. Yeah. I give my clients who resonate with the herpes conversation, I give them a grieving ceremony to let go of her because the thing is that version of us that we're grieving, we love her because she, all parts, if you've ever done parts work, they say my favorite line of parts work is all parts have positive intention. So even that part of us that is taking the MDMA and not disclosing to guys and sleeping with unaligned men and making decisions that are out of integrity with our highest truth, she is showing up for a reason, not to ruin us, not to sabotage us. She's not awful. She thinks she's protecting us. So we actually, when we're grieving, we're saying goodbye to a part of us that like really did such a good job at trying to make sure that we're okay, to keep us out of harm's way, to make sure that those girls never bullied us or that guy never assaulted us again. She did such a beautiful job and tried so hard. And now it's time to set her free and let her go so lovingly so that a new part of us can come online and come through. And so that's why I love a grieving ceremony because it beautifully lets go this loving, protecting part that isn't serving us anymore. And through letting her go, we create space for the new to come through because how can Lucy 2.0, the one that's free from the trauma that she's holding in her stomach, show up to the world when past version of maybe in a child, maybe in a teenager, maybe maybe she's running unconsciously running your life right now. Well, while she's running it, the woman can't show. Mm-hmm exactly exactly and isn't it ironic as well it seems to be a similar age a lot I, I speak to other women where they get to like 31 32 and it's that point it's like just after your Saturn returns where you're like done like fully done and I almost feel like sometimes becoming a woman be interesting to see actually maybe happens at that age because we naturally think like becoming a woman is obviously when you start your moon and your bleed and your period but actually I think there's a whole other side of things that's that's an initiation. So I love that you do a grieving ceremony. I'm you've inspired me. I'm gonna do it when I feel ready, I'm gonna do a grieving ceremony. Thank you. Can't wait to hear how it goes for you. I will let you know. Um and so you when you've suffered from like disordered eating as well, I was gonna ask you about this. A lot of women listen to that on the show because that's a big part of the clients that I help because naturally that's something I've been through myself as well. <clears throat> and there's this big thing with women where typically they can feel shame that they are an attractive woman. And sometimes that's where the disordered eating has come from, from the fear of their own power and who they are. And also the conflict of like wanting to stay fit and stay healthy. And you've said that's a big part of you and that's a big part of me too. How did you work out that that was authentically a big part of you versus you trying to please these people because it's quite can be quite like a conflict do you see what I mean Mm, yeah I think (laughs) I definitely will not think I 
definitely healed the part of me that was doing it for the exchange of approval because when I did it for the exchange of approval, it never felt good. Mm-hmm. But healthy has always been a part of my value. So doing your values alignment could be really powerful. Health for me is a ma- major priority. Don't want to get into the conversation around pandemic. We've all had enough fights about it. But the pandemic brought up a lot. And ultimately what I saw there was a big society desiring to be healthy, whatever their version of that is. Now, to me, that's natural health. To others, that looks very different. But that, to me, is my priority. When I did it for the exchange of your approval, it was never health-focused. Mm-hmm. It also, I never felt into the experience of what I was doing. So I had to recreate a relationship with food. Food used to be, I was in the fitness industry, so food is fuel and eat, clean, train, mean, live, lean, all that, all that stuff that, like, Fitspo Rebecca want used to think when she was 22. Whereas now I won't eat or drink anything unless it's bringing me pleasure. I won't force myself to drink a green juice that I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. I love chocolate. So I'm very now in tune with, and this is through nervous system work as well, how my body feels as I'm eating it the energy that I'm experiencing. I'm also very aware of how I feel after I eat something. So like in Bali, I'm sure you know, Milk and Madhu, they do the most delicious cinnamon scroll. Now I'm not even really into cinnamon scrolls, but they do it warm. There's more icing than cinnamon bun. It's delicious. One day I got it for breakfast. I was so exhausted all day long. So all day long that I know through the awareness of like, I was tired. I'm a big energy person. Like I'm sure you can feel I've got like a lot of energy to give physically, verbally. There's just a lot of me. Once that happened, I was like, okay, great. Note for Rebecca's memory bank. Don't eat a cinnamon scroll at breakfast. So I'm just in tune with my body sensations. I'm connected to wanting and desiring to experience pleasure and enjoyment as I eat my food. Whereas I used to punish myself or feel bad. And I'm also very aware of when I will feel guilty after I eat something. So there's another restaurant that I go to here. It has a delicious red wine and a delicious chocolate tart. Most nights I have a glass of wine. It's called Muda. And it's on the same street as the East Inn and on the same street as, is it Bagus Coffee? Kind of near the lawn. Yeah, I know where the lawn is. Come back to Bali when I'm here. We'll go. It's the best. I will. Ironically, I have. I've just got a two-year visa because I'm going to build a home out there for women to feel safe overseas. So I will be back there. Amazing! That's incredible. Yes. Well, tell me, and we'll go. But um, (laughs) most nights I'll have one to two glasses of one to two when I go there. Some nights I'll have a chocolate tart. But if I'm ever like, oh, should I have that chocolate cut tart? And there's a part of me that's like, yeah, from enjoyment, then I'll eat it. If there's a part of me that's like, maybe not tonight, Beck. I had enough sugar this week. If I go to choose it, I know that I'm going to experience guilt on the other side of eating that. And I know that guilt for me, for anyone, doesn't feel good. And because I'm, I know the feeling of eating and experiencing guilt now, I will choose not to eat it because I also have the contrast of eating and experiencing joy and pleasure. Mm. and I used to my thoughts there was no space like I have a thriving business now I would not have been able to have my thriving business when I suffered with disordered eating and bulimia because my thoughts were so jam-packed full of what I'm eating how much I'm eating when I'm eating that there was no room for anything else so I have done so like healing from disordered eating and bulimia for me was actually harder than the herpes virus wow wow 
Wow. I obviously haven't had herpes, but I, I would agree like this, the hardest part is recovering from disordered eating. Like for me, I found it was an addiction, like the bulimia, the anorexia nervosa, the, all of the labels, like it was an, it's, yeah. Swinging from one side to the other. Yeah. I'm telling you that herpes was my superhero that saved me from disordered eating. I really thought the food and fitness was here at one stage to ruin me. And I remember really being at so many rock bottoms, wondering how I would ever get out of that spiral. Um, so for me, yeah, the, I'm dedicated now. I really believe that a thriving society is a healthy society. Mm -hmm. And it's important for us to feel really good. And it feels great to feel beautiful and empowered and strong and healthy and fit in my body. It feels great. I, I train now. Um, I recreate an ex a relationship with exercise through acknowledging how much I love to have fun. And so I actually started to go with my housemate years ago and we went together. We had fun together. It was teamwork, team building. We had these little heart rate monitors and we would compare. And it was like going to exercise with my big brother. And that is actually the thing that showed me, whoa, when I'm having fun, I produce more results. All of a sudden, all of this body weight started falling off me. My arms, I always used to be insecure about, started to change through boxing, but I wasn't trying. It wasn't like I was trying to lose weight. I was going to exercise to have fun with my big brother. And through the vehicle of fun, I created so much result. And that was the thing that started to teach me, well, when I eat food for pleasure and enjoyment and fulfillment, I create result. When I move my body for fun, fulfillment, enjoyment, I create result. So when I'm trying to force and put all this pressure on myself, force, if you try and force something, you will only ever be met with resistance. Mm -hmm. So that is my biggest teacher in life. Like, where am I forcing? Because force is not going to create the result that my personality wants. And so I don't, I don't even think we we're going to go into this naturally, but like, how did you then build your business? Because that's another ingrained thing, like hustle, put, ugh, I hate the H word, force, but you know, the real, that kind of side. How did you build and thrive in your business you've mentioned your health is obviously a big thing but what did you do what is the secret <laughs> so well i was trying to force myself to not talk about herpes number one yeah that was a bit i never wanted anyone to know i was like i'm gonna die with this secret in my grave maybe just my husband will know Maybe I'll never tell him. And then when we fall pregnant, I'll be like, oh, babe, did a blood test. And look, antibodies detected. I have no idea. Did I get it from you? Like all these stories. I never wanted, that was like my biggest secret. Never wanted anyone to know. Always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Believe that I was going to have my own active wear. I was going to be the like personal development version of Lorna Jane. Ended up having a active wear at Love Lorna Jane. Had a factory originally in Indonesia, Bali, and then ended up with the factory in China just before the pandemic. My active wear closed down. And for those three months, I was like, what on God's good earth am I doing with my life? I'm 31. My skill set is personal training and Pilates instructing. I'd done personal development from the point of herpes, which was 25. I never did it to teach. I just wanted to accept myself. I was like, I'm not sharing these resources with anyone else. This is for me. I was so desperate to learn how to love and accept myself and figure out a way to be quote unquote successful because being an entrepreneur was kind of, kind of like the Fitspo body, another thing to add to my worthiness. And then when the pandemic hit, all non-essential shut down. So my skill set was personal training, Pilates instructing. Well, I couldn't go to work anymore. I had three jobs and I was in over $100,000 of personal debt. And so literally 
the pandemic happens, non-essentials closes down. I could barely pay my rent on Friday anyway because of the debt that I had. And my mum said to me, you're going to go to government benefits, Rebecca. And I was so mortified. And this isn't a judgment to people who need government benefits. This was mortified at myself that I was so capable, so smart. I'd worked so hard my whole life. I was like, how on God's good earth have I got to a point where I need to go to the government benefits to pay my rent on Friday? And literally, I spoke to myself. I was like, you've got two paths right now. You go to the government benefits and you just ride out the pandemic and see what happens or you start your coaching business because I had done courses now for seven years and seen people that I believe that weren't as good as me kind of blow up on the internet and they were making $10 million in two minutes. So I was like, if this idiot can make $30,000 in one month, are you kidding me? <laughs> this person, I know this person, I am better than them. And it was my judgment. I was so annoyed. I was like, all these idiots <laughs> doing all this stuff. And literally I had to sit myself down and be like, Rebecca, if you're so judgmental right now at all these idiots, what's the trigger? And I literally sat and coached myself through it. I'm like, well, at least they're showing up. At least they're doing it. At least they're doing the Facebook lives and being willing to be judged. And I said to myself, if they can do it, I can do it. And that, and I had just gone public about herpes maybe three months prior. Mm -hmm. And the day that I chose to choose my coaching business, literally business took off from that month. It was the path of least, there was no force. It was the rug ripped from under me. The universe said, Rebecca, you got to do something, government benefits or teach. And it all happened. I have I have chills because I was, yeah, I got went same similar vibes, was going to get to government benefits, same as you, like, what the fuck? And I actually got rejected because in, in Australia, I was a New Zealand citizen and I had paid hundreds of thousands of tax the year before in a corporate job and they refused to pay me benefits. I came back to the UK to live with my parents, went to the government office, rejected because I haven't worked in the UK for three years. <sighs> like, no, yeah. So now what I've started to do, there's a dog sat behind me right now as I'm talking to you, I've set up a dog sitting business. And because I was like, what the fuck do I do? So like, it's it's I don't know there's a lot in common here it's very very funny <laughs> Amazing. I'm so excited for you. you know it's so funny that you say that my sister's about to start a dog walking business in the doggy daycare in Australia oh well this just obviously naturally happened I literally came back to my parents so gutted with everything because I loved my life in Australia similar to you was like I'm so qualified what the fuck and then naturally was like I'm just gonna start looking after dogs but it's obviously it's a stop gap right now for me um, but I'm writing my own courses and educating women to be in their bodies and, and doing breath work through people after plant-based ceremonies. Cause my big thing is like reintegration is so important and I never experienced that. And I want to make a big difference in that for women and men coming out of plant-based. Anyway, sorry, we're digressing, but I just want to say like, thank you. It's crazy that you're almost given two options. And I think so many people, so the red pill or the blue pill, isn't it? Have you heard of that before? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so anyone listening right now, what, how can you help them? We've spoken a lot of different things, but like, yeah. what can back do to help them? How can we reach out to you? Oh, well, number one, everyone is if you resonate, you're welcome in my world. You can come over to my Instagram at Becca Antonucci. You can come over to my podcast at Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Uh, but to help yourself, if you resonated with this conversation, I guess the first question you could really ask yourself is what am I avoiding? 
um, because for me, when herpes hit, it wasn't like, oh my God, now all of a sudden all the pieces are landing in that moment. I really, I could hear God, I call universe for me is God, could hear this power outside of me, reminding me of me, that reminding me of the power that exists within me. But I heard this voice say, you have to stop searching externally, Rebecca, you have got to look within. And that wasn't an overnight process. It was an internal excavation. And I had to keep digging and keep digging and keep digging and really discover like, it's not the herpes. It wasn't the boyfriend that didn't choose me. It wasn't the guy that assaulted me. And then really digging in and really realizing what I had been running from, that fear of rejection my entire life just recreated it. So for you, the way that you get help, just like to really implement and integrate, seeing as integration is so important to you. If you listen to a podcast, if you've listened to this today and it resonates, love for you to just sit in curiosity around what it is in your own life that you're avoiding. And then you can come on over into my world. <laughs> and then you'll be like, right, well, I have this, 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 and this that we can work with. Yeah, um, I have a signature course. We kick off True Transformation. We start in four weeks. It's my 10-week signature group coaching program. I have a wait list for my one-on-one -on -one clients at the moment. Um, I do quite frequent webinars. My podcast is so much content and free information there. I have a mastermind, but you have got to have done my signature group program to be welcomed into it, invited into it. So there's lots that you can get. There's some uh, frequent uh, mini courses that I often do. There's lots of stuff. But just come over into my world and have a nosy on around. Amazing. Oh, beautiful. And I will put all of your contact details in the show notes. So for anyone listening, they want to reach out to Beck. Um, I will share all of that. And thank you so much, honey, for joining today. It's an absolute honor. I knew we would be buzzing off this um, with all your energy. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for always being vulnerable as well and for inspiring so many people in the world. You're an absolute gift. So thank you so much for joining today. Oh, thank you for having me, Lucy. You're the best. <laughs> Pleasure. Thanks, honey.